What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Big T. Will. That's your man, Mr. Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Four Core Press. Welcome to another episode that's jam-packed and heavy. What's happening, Nat? Yo, what's up, T. Will? I'm doing fantastic right now because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel because we have some big news coming along the way. Yes, sir, man. Can you believe we're less than a week from Sixers basketball again? Less than a week. We are under a week Sixers basketball. It is so close. When I got the email that I was scheduled to do the highlights for the first game coming up, I was bouncing up and down like crazy. We we made it because we didn't have anything to uh, get us to this situation. So we, we fought and called just like all the other Sixer fans out there just waiting for the NBA season to start. And it's here. The shortened season's here. The shortened uh, mini camps have begun. And you know, we're ready to hoop, man. We are ready to hoop. Philly Four Court Press is locked and loaded. So you guys better grab your drinks and settle on in because we got a packed episode this week leading into the uh, first preseason game against the hated Celtics coming up. Matt, I got a question for you right off the bat. What's up? Right off the bat, I got a question for Mr. Producer Extraordinaire. How do you feel about the Sixers camp situation right now with Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey just getting in and Mike Scott just getting in and the Sixers being undermanned but at camp playing pickup games. Well, I mean, it's, it is fantastic that they are playing these pickup games right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little weird and like I, I'm guessing a little bit nerve wracking for a few of them down there because correct me if I'm wrong, but Tyrese Maxey tested positive for COVID, right? So he's not down there. He's down there now. He he's cleared. He actually practiced this week. Um, Mike Scott has cleared as well. And the trade with the Al Horford trade has been official. So Danny, so Danny Green, Green is now and, uh, official member of your Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. And he had a, he had a stellar first day and, uh, uh, Terrence Ferguson came along as well, and the center, Mr. Pierre. So, uh, yeah, so what, what is your thought process right there with them being short prior to Danny Green and the rest of the troops coming in? I mean, if anything, this is a good growing pain for them, so that way you don't have to worry about strategically planning for it for when injuries are going to happen. Because last year, I mean, they were flying by the seat of their pants. There was just a lot of failure to plan around the inevitability of injuries that were going to happen with the Philadelphia 76ers last year. And because of that, it hindered a lot of their strategies. It hindered a lot of what they could have potentially done, and it really hindered uh, their road record. So I think because they started off short in camp right from the get, I think this is a good sign, if anything, because it allows Doc to implement plans from A all the way down through Z for, all right, what am I going to do if I'm missing this player? What if I'm? What am I going to do if I'm missing Danny Green? What am I going to do if I'm missing Tyrese Maxey? I mean, God forbid we miss someone like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons again. So I think this is a good, a good little test for Doc Rivers right now. Yo, man, I gotta agree with you. It, it is a. I was hoping that you said it was a good thing. I think it's an excellent thing 
for a couple of reasons. One, you have your core players playing together longer and they're getting accustomed to each other. Two, they're going to run through Doc's playbook and understand what uh, Doc Rivers wants from them and, and his expectations from the starters. Now, with Danny Green not there, I, I did see a couple clips where Cork Moz was in his spot running with the first team. I think that was good for Cork Moz to get reputation with them and uh, get some shots up with that first team with uh, Ben, Joel, uh, Harris, and Curry. Well, you're a very big Cork Moss um, man. Well, I, listen, I'm not really a big Cork Moss. I'm not a big Cork Moss fan. I'm just saying that the kid's 23 years old and he can shoot. So, I mean, you don't get. You can't keep giving up on shooters and and not letting them grow with the team you have. He's been with this team since he was like almost 18, 19. So he's been, he's been here. Now he's finally able to play. There was two seasons where he didn't even play with the Sixers. So that's why I said it's good to let this kid keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, God forbid we ship him off like they did um, – What's his name? Kyle Corver. And then all of a sudden, Corver turned out to be lights out. I mean, yeah, he was instant Corver here for a little bit, but he had potential and they shipped him away and look what happened. You know, he became a, a marksman. So that that's all I'm saying. Um, but anyway, it was good for him to run with the, the starters to understand what Doc's looking for and the pace, you know, because Doc's pace is going to be way different than Brad Brown's pace. One thing that struck me, though, Nat, uh, with Doc Rivers, he said he liked what the Sixers ran with um, Brett Brown with the motion because Brett Brown did run a lot of motion-type offense. So to keep these guys familiar with what they're doing, obviously he's going to be running motion sets. But, you know, everyone who saw Doc Rivers coach the Clippers and the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics He's going to pick and roll you to death. So, you know, that's our, that's going to be the, the bread and butter is the pick and roll. And uh, Ben and Joel are going to be in the pick and roll. So going back to what we talked about on the last episode, you know, Ben's going to have a lot of options coming off the pick and roll with Joel and B. Uh, they got to be in shape and be ready. So word is Embiid's in shape and he's getting in shape and things are looking on a, up and up. And that's what they need. This is what the Sixers need. I was talking to someone and I said to them, you know, you can't judge. You can't. Well, you can judge the Sixers with Brett Brown and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Me personally, thank the good Lord we didn't waste our prime years. Because now they have a real coach, a real coaching staff and a real front office that sees this is their prime years. 26, 24 prime years this is the nba prime right here where it's not being wasted and now we can officially judge joel Embiid and ben simmons together i mean we couldn't really judge them well for what brett brown was doing with them the past couple seasons there's no way now we're going to see where their talent is at and now we're going to see where their mind is we're going to see where their nba accountability is going to be where their nba uh awareness is this is now where we judge them this is the point because they have a real coaching staff behind them and they have to buy into what the new coach is and they're not going to get away with the things they got away with Brett Brown that. No, absolutely not. You, under Doc, you're going to have to work twice as hard. Joel Embiid is going to have to be in the best shape of his life. 
he's going to have to work a lot harder than he did under Brett Brown. I mean, Doc Rivers and Brett Brown, you couldn't get any more polar opposite when it comes to, and we're going to get to this phrase later in the show, but accountability. I mean, everyone is going to have to show up under Doc Rivers. Not just everybody. Yes, everybody. Every single player on this 76ers team. And it's up to Joel Embiid to come to play and come to play in the best shape of his life. No excuse. None. Yeah. It all hangs on Joel, man. It really does. Like, we all know Ben's our our facilitator and Ben's going to run the engine and he's at the controls, but it hangs on Embiid. It really does. Now, it's funny, though, because this week the uh, NBA Top 100 comes out from ESPN, and it's always trash. Every year it's trash. Every year uh, NBA fans get in an uproar and the players get in an uproar. It's garbage, okay? I don't even really pay too much attention to it. I did see Embiid was like 14 and Simmons was like 16 or 17. I don't know. I really don't care. I don't care who's ahead of Embiid. I don't care who's behind Simmons. I don't care because that list is always garbage. I saw AD was two, which is a laughable, but it is what it is. Is that's what ESPN puts out? They do that for us to have these conversations about. I mean, they so, almost make ESPN's and, hockey coverage look good. <laughs> really, and they barely do that. Yeah, they call themselves worldwide sports, and they barely cover that. But this is leading into what I want to uh, play here. I got a, I got a clip for everybody. Just listen to this, and uh, me and Nat are going to react uh, right after this. Hey, Nat, play that clip uh, with uh, Scoop Jackson narration. People are looking at the Philadelphia 76ers. The expectation was supposed to be championship contention. I don't want to hear about no process no more. The process. May basketball rest its soul. Now the question is what's next, the fallout or the result? With underachieving becoming the norm, some things had to change. Sixers have fired head coach Brett Brown and expect more changes ahead in Philly. Enter the new one-two punch of Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, the NBA's best off-season facelift. I think we have a chance to build something great here. Now, can they finish with the Sixers what they both started elsewhere? They have to complement their star players and put guys around them that make them a more viable offense. The Dwight Howard experiment. The Seth Curry pickup. The Tyrese Maxey pick. All add-ons to the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris Newby. Big time, let's go. That has the capacity to own the throne now. All right, so you hear that, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, once again, ESPN stirring the pot. It's like the last three, four years they've been trying to break up Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. That why? I mean, I kind of interpreted it a different way. I kind of interpreted it as, you know, what can these guys do together with a real core around them now? Because this is, I said this earlier, this is the test for them right now. I mean, if you can't succeed with this group of guys, who are you going to succeed with? I One, I agree. But two, it's, a, it's an undertone to that, man. It's such an undertone. Stephen A. Smith, you know, he's out there trying to trade Ben Simmons. He's been trying to trade Ben Simmons for the last two, three seasons. 
You got Max Kellerman, who wants to break them up. You got the point guard from Duke, Jason Williams. He wants to break them up in the in the worst way. You have it, it, the list goes on. Wendy blowing nothing but hot air. He, he wants to break them up. Bruce Bowen last season wanted to break them up. Kendrick Perkins was the only one. Perk was the only one that I heard him and, and Jackie Mulligan. We're only only two that I heard that said, you know, they're not really looking to break those two up. I just don't understand. I I don't get it. Why we can't have our young guys grow and make mistakes and and keep them to blossom. Why do we got to break them up? Why don't they go break up someone else? Why do we got to break them up, Matt? It doesn't really make a lot of sense when it comes to basketball because I think it can work in other sports. I think it can work in sports like baseball and it can certainly work in hockey but when it comes to basketball I mean basketball is a very you need superstars you need guys who can gel well together you need guys who are able to put up points you got you need game breakers if you want to succeed I mean that's why LeBron has won so many championships. That's why Seth Curry has won so many championships. And I think if you break up Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, unless you get another superstar to replace one of them, you're not going to have a contender. And I think um, they're, they're at least a contender now because you have those two together and you're surrounding them with guys who are actually complimenting them. I 100% agree with you. But the fact is, that, but why? Why can't I just add a superstar? Why do I got to get rid of my, my two to get another, a third piece. You see what I'm saying? If you want to put together a, a three-headed monster, I'm not giving up one piece. I don't blame Daryl Morey right now. All the cards are still in his hand. Why? Just mark my words, man. I mean, if, if they get, if they do get Harding or make a play at Harding, I guarantee you Ben and Joel are still here. That's number one. Go ahead, Nat. So you know what? ESPN is more worried about the Sixers paying the luxury tax than Daryl Morey is right now. That's what that is, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, but I don't. I, I want Josh Harris to pay anything. I wouldn't care how much money we spend over the luxury tax for him. Pay it. You got the money. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, if they add Harden, you add Harden. You don't get rid of Ben. I disagree with a lot of those people out there that want to trade Bandinger. I'm not trading my two stars. Yeah, we got growing pains with them, but they mine, damn it. They not no one else's. They mine. They here. They here. They 76ers. So we're going to rock with them. You know, and B, and B you know, he, he's got a, uh, a thing going on right now saying that um, he wants to play better defense. He, his defense has been slacking uh, last couple years. Well, who the hell pointed that out, Nat? Well, you did. I mean, who uh, we did on Philly full court press, and B's telling us that you know his defense has got to get better. He's got to get better on defense. Uh, Doc Rivers is ask is is a, uh, always has a good defensive team. Well, damn it, where were you the last couple years, man? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really. Know what I mean, like, come on. This like all this stuff that y'all's talking is is, is BS. I got to do better on defense and get back to locking down. Well, yeah, Man, no, no duh. Yeah, duh, exactly. You should have been doing that the last couple of years. Embiid was a hell of a defender when he first started uh, playing after he got through all those injuries. Yeah, and I thought bully was like, ball was a good strategy for him. 
Well, I'm not even talking about the bully ball. I'm just talking about in general. Just right. after he got through the injuries and can't, you know, started playing in the NBA for the Sixers, I thought he was going to be a defensive monster. He had that ability. He still has that ability. But I don't want to hear you say that something that we, me, you, or other knowledgeable fans know. We know you haven't been playing hard. We know you haven't been playing well on defense. I mean, I appreciate you admitting it, I guess. You you know, you're taking ownership to it. But now you have no excuse. You have no excuse not to play better. Well, especially under this regime. Well, I have a question for you, T. Will. Do you think that if Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons were to acknowledge that the fans are aware that they weren't accountable in the bubble, do you think they would have earned more respect from them and say, like, we got to, like, you know, please the fans here and, you know, make up for all this because, I mean, we're a smart fan base. I mean, contrary to the national media, we are a smart fan base. It was obvious they weren't accountable. It was it, it, the writing could, on the wall couldn't have been a, a, any clearer. It was right there. It could have been neon blinking lights. I mean, all season last year was the that was the that was the theme accountability. And if they were just if they were honest with themselves about it during the situation instead of uh, pity patting around it, the fans probably would have more respect for them. I mean, the fans still have respect for them. It's just the fans is just pissed because it took this long for it to happen. You see what I'm saying? Like, why did it take this long? Over the last two or three seasons, coming into that that excellent season you had in 2017, 2018, and then for you guys as the team under uh, Brett Brown to could, to just take a downfall like that, after, and then going, I, I said 2017, 18, but I should really say after the Toronto season, 2018, 19, had to take a downfall like that and have turmoil just carry through the whole season, that was just ridiculous. That was blasphemy. <laughs> it shouldn't have happened. It just shouldn't have happened. Too many distractions that just carried too much water throughout uh, last season. Yeah. And it, it it was just a nightmare. It was, it was so nightmarish to the point that now you're saying with a new coach that you want to be a better defender. When you should have been playing defense the whole entire time. Well, that leads you me to that? this other. That leads me to this other question. How likely do you think that? Or let me phrase it a different way. Do you think they could have been contenders if they would have had someone who would have kept them a lot more accountable, like Doc Rivers, even with the roster they had last year, or if Brett Brown? would have used similar strategies that Doc Rivers would have used? Like, what do you think of that? Uh, well, I, I honestly think, um, if to, to be real with you, if Ben Simmons didn't get hurt, they, that Boston series would have been different. They would have got to the second round, and then, you know, we would have saw something different. I don't think that the Sixers uh, would have got bounced or swept in the first round if Ben Simmons was there. Um, and then they get they – get, they, they get momentum. So they're coming off of beating a team, a rival that they don't like. And you have that momentum coming off of um, beating the Boston Celtics in the first round. And you head to the second round. And I wouldn't even know who they matched up because I already forgot about it, to be honest with you. But they would, whoever they would have matched up with, the Sixers would have matched up pretty well. So, But the season was so up and down last season. Who knows what would have happened that. But 
I want to know. I want to know what Doc Rivers' thoughts are on Ben Simmons and MB with his first couple days in camp. You know, does Doc Rivers care about MB uh, shooting a jumper? We got that and so much more on this edition of Philly Four Court Press. Stay with us, fam. Go grab your drinks. I'm Big T Will. That's Nat Marlowe. We'll be back after this commercial break. What's up, everybody? It's Carmelo Anthony. Hope everyone is staying healthy during this time. You know, we should all be looking out for one another and staying calm and staying safe. I'm just trying to stay positive as much as possible. Continue to spend this great time with your loved ones. I think it gives us a lot of perspective. Call some of your friends or your family and let them know how much you, you love them and how much you care about them. Practice compassion. We have to be kind and really practice a sense of community. We're going to get through this thing one way or another. And their appreciation level for everything will be at an all-time high. We all miss fans and our teammates and basketball. This is only a virus that we can beat together. Um, hopefully we'll be seeing you guys soon and back on the floor. Say see ya! We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. Social distancing is really physical separation of people. It's what we refer to when we ask people to stay at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus still spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You're at higher risk if you are over 65 or if you have any serious underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, wash your hands frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds. Avoid touching your face. Disinfect frequently touched objects. And wash up after being in public spaces. And when it comes to social situations, less is better. Stay six feet or two arm lengths away from other people. Better still, stay home if you can. If you're sick, please stay home and away from others. And if you think you've been exposed to the virus, Call your healthcare provider before going to their office. In challenging times, the choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. If you want to make something that truly reflects the city of Philadelphia, it better be great. It better stand the test of time. You better expect to work if you want the results. That's just how the city was built. And that's just how we're made. You see, here, greatness requires a push and a pull. A challenge, a goal, a chase, a pursuit. But when you get there, 
by day or night, you'll turn the curve into as great a city as you'll find anywhere. Where the stars light up the night, reflecting icon. Rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. Reflecting greatness. Iverson has Jordan. Reflecting the spirit of competition that's fueled us from the start. Built for the city. Built for the night battle. Yeah, listen, there's, there's, Dan, there's clearly instances where I've reached superstars and there's probably somewhere I haven't, you know. That's just part of coaching for 20 years. You, you have an opportunity with a lot of people. Uh, I think it helps having experience with a lot of different personalities. Uh, but Ben Singular and Joel Singular are unbelievable basketball players, and they've proven that. And what they have to do is win. Like, that's why we're all here, right? And so it's amazing how I keep they haven't won together. And I said, well, the yet should be the word that we use more. They haven't won yet. You know, uh, they're young. They have time and they have time to work. And uh, I love what they both bring. Uh, I love that uh, the biggest thing uh, seeing them in the gym is their IQs. You know, they are both brilliantly smart basketball players. And so that really will help in our growth process uh, as trying to win together. Uh, we, they can do it. They will do it. Uh, the yet is what we have to take away. Uh, and that, you know, I can't tell you when that's going to be, but it's going to happen. They're, they're terrific. So conditioning, we have to get in shape. Listen, every player that says they want to win a championship, then there's required things you have to do. It's just required uh, to win. And one of them is conditioning. And so, uh, we're going to get everybody in the best shape possible. Obviously, with COVID, uh, it makes it double tough. You know, I don't care about Ben shooting as much as so many other people seem to care about it. I care that he's a great player, and I'm going to let him play. I'm going to give him the keys and let him be free uh, and play. If he takes no shots, I'm fine. If he takes 10 threes, I'm fine. If he gets to the line 15 times, I'm fine. Ben is brilliant enough for me to allow to play and not get in his way and try to cloud his head up with a bunch of crap. You know, uh, it's about winning. And, and that's what I want Ben to focus on, how to make each other better and win. Hey, Nat, man, listen, I'm getting excited. Christmas is around the corner. Sixes are around the corner. How you feeling, man? You still in that spirit? Absolutely. Each and every day that passes, I get more and more into the Christmas spirit. I cannot wait for Christmas, man. Especially because, you know, each day that gets closer to Christmas means we're one step closer to concluding 2020. So cheers, everybody. <laughs> yeah, facts. Definitely. But uh, we just heard uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, coming out of the break, as uh, I I asked on the other side, uh, what was his thoughts? And you know, something stuck out to me. I know Doc was just talking, but he said Ben Simmons didn't care if he got to the line fifteen times a game. Hey, listen, follow the tea leaves, man. We don't really need Ben Simmons to shoot. That season, he had an unbelievable season when he had Bellinelli and Ilias Over and JJ Redick. And a 19-year-old Corkmaz around him. He had a great. He had an unbelievable season. Unbelievable, because he had shooters. He had knockdown shooters. 
Doc just said 15 times. I know he was just throwing the number off his head. But it sounds awfully familiar when I've been sitting here saying in the Q&A part and throughout the show and stuff, you don't need Ben to shoot. You don't need him to shoot a three, I should say. Dominate what you're good at. Going to the the hole and improve at your foul shooting. God, if he improves at his foul shooting, this team will be – it would be a different dynamic for this team. This team would be crazy good, and they would ooze confidence in that. Absolutely. There's a great quote by entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk where you're not going to be Beyonce, where you're going to be amazing at everything. No, it's like, listen, you should be competent in a lot of areas, but if you double, triple down at what you're good at, like Ben Simmons is great down low. Ben Simmons, if he gets fouled, 15 times a game and if he if he gets to the foul line 15 times I mean double and triple down where your strengths are at and that's how your team is going to win these basketball games coming up and you're not going to make the same mistakes that you made last year because once again like you're so focused and you're executing on what you're good at where your mistakes are going to lie you're probably not even going to have to worry about that it, no it, one's going to notice. Exactly. Plus, we have so many shooters on this team right now. As long as the shooters on this team do what they need to do, I'm not worried about Ben Simmons' three-pointer. You know what? Yeah. A, a mid-range jump shot, perfect. That is something that Ben Simmons should be working on, his mid-range jump shot. That's probably what I'm most worried about right now. But even then, with all the shooters on this team, I don't even necessarily need him to do that. If he perfects that, great. And if he doesn't, as long as everybody else around him does what they need to do, and if it, and if Ben Simmons does what he needs to do on his end, if he's the best that he can be in everywhere else, this Sixers team is still going to win a lot of games. They're going to win a lot of games regardless, just the fact that off of their talent alone. And we say a lot of games. They're definitely going to win more. I can't even – I shouldn't put it out. I shouldn't say definitely. They should win more games than they did last season. They only won 44 games last season. I'm going to give you a quick stat. With all the horrible shooting around Ben and Joel last season, do you know Ben was third in three-point assists? He was third. Can you imagine what he potentially could be this season with better shooters around him? He would probably be first, right? I mean, that on paper. On paper. On paper. Yeah. So he's back into that conversation of walking triple-double. He potentially could be a walking triple-double this season under Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers said something that also that caught me was how intelligent Embiid and Simmons are playing together. Both of them are smart players when they play together. You don't win 65% of your games if you're not smart. They're smart players. And just to have someone like MB that can clear out the the, the space for you, and, and Simmons, the person who can pass it like Simmons can. There's not many passers in the league like Simmons. I mean, you, you don't break that up. No, Doc say you don't break that up. Doc said that this guy is elite. He he has been in full control in camp. He has been elite, and Doc Rivers is giving him the keys to be elite. And he wants and he wants to streamline things. He wants to keep. He wants to keep them in the right frame of mind. 
it's a lot to throw at them right now. So they got to be cautious and you can't overload them and overwork them. And I, I also like what you said about that. We're going to keep them comfortable. Keep them comfortable. You know, Doc also said he asked the team as a show of hands how many people played in a pickup game over this uh, shortened uh, offseason and out of the bubble. Nat, do you know how many people played in the uh, in a pickup game? Off the top of my head, no. Take a guess. In a single pickup game? Yeah, out of the Sixers roster, how many people on the roster were, were playing in pickup games during this uh, COVID situation? Since the bubble. I, let me Since the bubble. Okay, I got to do the math here on probably who didn't show up. So, if Tyrese Maxey just got cleared, uh... Mike Scott just got cleared. Danny Green just joined the <laughs> roster. And don't Ferguson. overthink it. Don't overthink it. <laughs> All right. On, just give me a number. All right. One, random, two, three, ra- random five, number. Seven, 16. All 16? All right. Doc Rivers said when he asked the team how many people played pickup ball since the NBA bubble, only two people raised their hand. Say what now? Doc Rivers said he asked the team how many people played in a pickup game since the NBA bubble. Only two people raised their hand. Oh boy! What exactly? What exactly? That's exactly that's the exact reaction I had. All right, the the pandemic. The pandemic should be the only excuse for that. I understand the pandemic, but only two. Played in a single pickup game since the bubble? What? <laughs> Two. Two. Get- so as much hype as much hype as we have for this team and Doc Rivers and this short in all season and camp, we also gotta tamper down our expectations and understand there will be mistakes. There's gonna be mistakes. Two players. So get the hell out of here with this nonsense. Two players. Like <laughs> two players. So this coaching staff, yeah, they're putting in some work. Cause he followed up that by saying, We've been putting in long hours. We're shorthanded, which is good because the starters are going to know and understand where the coaching staff is coming from and where they should be on the court. So they're they're putting in the work because only two players been playing you know pickup in all season. So the other two, the, the other play. All right. So who who would you guess? My guess is I'll say Danny Green, and the other one. What would you say? Maybe Joel Embiid. No, Embiid's a germaphobic man. Do you see him getting on the, to the bubble? I mean, look what <laughs> he says. Look season. what he says and what he does are two different things. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take a guess because he didn't reveal what two players it was. He, he definitely didn't reveal that. But Danny Green, that's a good one. I, I didn't think of that one, but I'm going to say Ben Simmons and and Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese Maxey wasn't there, so I can't even say Tyrese Maxey. So, See, those are good guesses maybe, because, I mean, I mean Tyrese Maxey, I mean, the sports. kid – yeah, clutch sports for Ben Simmons. That's got to be it for him. And then Tyrese Maxey, I mean, he because he dropped in the draft. And, you know, coming from Kentucky, I mean, 
Coach Cal, you know, you're going to have a great work ethic under Coach Cal. It's that's the type of thing, you know, it's I shouldn't say it's a given, but, you know, coming from that program, I mean, more than likely you're going to have a great work ethic. So I think those are two great guesses by you right there. Yeah, but now that I think about it, and if Tyrese Maxey wasn't there for that question, because I'm not, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure if he was there at, you know, when the question was asked this week, if uh, him and Danny Green or not, I'm going to actually throw a, a change up at you and say Corkmonds. Corkmaz and Ben Simmons. They are only two. You're back because to Corkmaz. I know, I know. Because of, <laughs> <laughs> of Ben Simmons with the clutch sports situation, they all work out together and play together. And I saw Tyrese Maxey there working out with them. So I'm assuming that he's part of clutch sports. Second, uh, secondly, with Corkmaz, I saw a lot of video with him hooping over the summer uh, between, after the bubble. So potentially he was playing in pickup games overseas at home. Everyone else, may, maybe Tobias Harris, maybe. I know he was heavy with um, with uh, social injustice and reform and everything, so I don't know how much time he put in. I know he was putting in a lot of good work, good social work that was much needed and very appreciated, but I'm not sure NBA-wise how much uh, time he put in for um, going back and forth uh, with pickup games. So... Yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty wild. Uh, Doc Rivers also said that um, in that clip, you know, he want everyone wants to win now. That that the team knows how to win, but they don't know how to win yet. What you mean? What do you think he meant by they don't know how to win yet? Is that getting out of the first and second round? I think it probably. I think it's probably more so. I you guys obviously want to win, but you don't know how to win as a team yet. Remember that that series I always bring up, the playbook of Coach's Rule for Life? Doc Rivers is the premiere episode, and he mentions Ubuntu, which is the essence of being a human and the essence of being that all you can be. And Doc Rivers stressed that when he was with the 2008 Celtics, and he stressed that with everyone there, saying, look, you can't be as great as you can be unless everyone else around you is as great as you can be. And same thing, vice versa. It's like all for one and one for all where look, the team can't be as the the team can't be contenders unless you individually play like a contender. I say the same thing when it comes to hockey, you need to find that balance between playing as an individual and playing as a great teammate. Otherwise you're not going to win important games. It's it. That's why it's called a team sport. And it's funny. I, <laughs> I saw a clip of um, Charles Barkley uh, asking Giannis. It was uh, around the all-star selection where they started selecting their teams. And you had LeBron and Giannis were the captains. And Giannis's pick was up. And Barkley and Giannis made a pick. He was trying to decide either between Trey Young or Kemba Walker. And Harding was still there. And Barkley asked uh, yeah, uh, Giannis, he goes, hey, you don't want the dribbler? Not mentioning Hardy's name, he just said the dribbler. <laughs> and Giannis started laughing, and LeBron started laughing. And, you know, everyone cracked up because it was a perfect moment for him to say that. And Giannis' response was, I want someone that's going to pass the ball and play defense. So then you get 
And, and that's where it comes in with growth. You, you pray hard into this growth to try to like get these guys to win or learn how to win. He's going to kill the growth. Like granted, yes, I think Harden fits better with the Sixers and other teams, but is he, is he willing to not dribble so much and run the, run the offense and sacrifice his game? Because let's be honest, MV sacrifices part of his game. Ben Simmons is going to sacrifice part of his game. Tobias Harris, we know he sacrificed part of his game. Is he going to buy in to get this team to win now, the way Doc sees them winning later on this season? It's just a lot of questions. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a hell of a player, but he's, as Barkley, as Barkley labeled him, he called him the dribbler. I just thought that was classy. It fits. You know what I mean, That It fits. Yeah. And I think what they can do, I think they could sacrifice portions of their own individual game, but also double down at what they excel at. That's how I think they can win. And that's how I think they can enjoy winning together. And that's the thing where I think Doc says win yet, uh, learn to win, is they're going to have to learn to win together. They're going to have to learn to win the, the tight games where Embiid used to fumble the ball and throw it away or in, or Ben Simmons with the lazy inbound passes. You know, a lot of the little things that we saw these two do in the past are the things that we're going to be looking Well, I don't know, as I say we as in fans, I should say me, I'll be looking at to see if they've cleaned up and made themselves more coachable and understand the situations. But if Ben Simmons is a better free throw shooter and he joins the ranks of Embiid in the high 70s, low 80s, we never would have these crunched situations. I mean, you might have them here and there, but they won't be so much. And that's another thing, too, where if you end up in close games, they weren't winning close games last year. So you couldn't rely on them. If the game was super tight for the majority of the game and uh, especially within fourth quarters, if it was that tight contest thrown through, the Sixers probably weren't going to win that game. It just wasn't happening for them. This time around, I think because you've had such a drastic overhaul, if you're at a close game, I'm probably going to put my money on the Sixers to win that game from here on out. I, later on in the season, yes. I'd have to see them go through it, but I agree with you. I would but I think that uh, they would be more well-equipped to uh, handle those pressure situations than they were in the past. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me this week was uh, that word accountability again, where Ben Simmons said uh, that the team didn't do a good job, good enough job holding itself accountable for last season, which players, which played a significant role in uh, disappointing 2019-2020 campaign. That kind of pisses me off. I don't know how you feel. I don't know how Nat feels. But that pisses me off. It pisses me off because it goes back to the same thing I said about Embiid. You knew the situation. And you knew the struggles. And you knew what was going on. And you did nothing to fix it. You didn't even hold yourselves accountable. Like, right now, you're blaming the accountability on the organization and the coaching staff. Which I agree, 
But you got to take some uh, some ownership to that. You can't just say, oh, the team didn't do a good enough job holding itself accountable. What do you mean itself? Aren't you part of itself? So you didn't hold yourself accountable, Ben Simmons? You didn't hold your teammates accountable? It, nightmarish. And this is the reason why they finished sixth in the, in the East and you got swept in the first round. Here's an accountability part. Come to practice, work hard, become a better foul shooter, and you won't have any accountability problems. Know your assignments, know your role, do your job. That's what you got to do. Be a teammate. Don't be an individual. And I'm not just saying that towards Ben Simmons. I'm saying that to the whole entire team this season. Yeah, and there are ways to keep everybody accountable without being, for lack of better words, without being a dick about it. You, you know what I mean? I know, I know exactly what you mean, man. And, and it's called leadership, to be honest with you. So clearly, Ben making this statement and Embiid making his statement, y'all two still ain't ready to be the leaders of this team. Well, this season, you have no choice but to be the leaders of this team because you're the longest tender. This is y'all's team. It is time. It is time for you two to take ownership, understand the situation, and back up what you talk. Quote, MB, I want to be a Philadelphia 76er for the rest of my career. I want Ben Simmons to be with me. I want to win a championship for the city and the fans because they deserve it. All right, I've heard that from you. It's time that you hold yourself accountable to those statements and you come out this season and you buy into what Coach Rivers is selling and you hoop. You hoop like you've never hooped before and play play with a chip on your shoulder. Because in these if he plays with a chip on his shoulder, he is unstoppable. I want to give you a quick stat about MB. MB took over 273s two years ago. Last year, he took over 150 plus. Over under 103 point attempts under Doc Rivers, Nat. I will go. Yeah, that's a good one. Just attempted? Just attempted. Just attempted. Oh, man. I got to go the under there. You taking the under under Doc Rivers? I got I to gotta go the under because I've been, I've been swindled before, and you said you've been swindled before, so I'll go the under. I honestly don't. I honestly don't see MB taking over 123s. Under Doc Rivers. Plus, why does he I need like to? Exactly. Because he's got shooters around him now. He's got shooters around him now. So it's good to say to under. He should be he should be under. He should be under. He should be under 103's attempt in a season. But he should not there's be no a go to three guy. He should not be. No. No. He he there's no no way. No way he should be taking over 100 threes this season. That, and you know what, on top of this, on top of this, he should not have been in that situation last year where he was the go-to three-point guy. 
you're already asking him to do so much anyway, and now like he's your go-to three-point guy. Threes dominate the league now. He should not have been put in that situation where he was putting the team uh, essentially on his back and basically taking away some of the things that he was exceptionally good at and focusing on you know a portion of his game that he wasn't as good at he was certainly competent in making three-pointers that's a fact I don't doubt the man's ability to to put up threes but to take that many and be the go-to three-point guy it was it's lunacy I don't think no that's not a good strategy for him and well I'll play devil's advocate he's doing what the coach told him to do there was that too I mean Brett Brown you weren't gonna he wasn't gonna succeed under Brett Brown no no, absolutely not. He was. So yeah, accountability. That. <laughs> oh man. Oh, Joe and Ben. Joe and Ben. It's time. The accountability situation. I feel like it's it's going to end. And that Doc's going to hold them accountable. Sam Cassell's going to hold them accountable. Uh, who's who's the other one? My my boy from uh Sacramento. Oh, Jaeger. Yeah, wait, Jaeger was from yeah. Sacramento? Wasn't there another yeah, guy Jaeger. from Sacramento? Yeah. No, no, no. Dan Burke came from the Pacers, who supposedly Embiid and Burke uh, buried the hatchet with uh what he said about Embiid. Remember how he said uh, he hated playing Joel Embiid? Yeah, because all he does is flop around the court and he gets away remember. with flopping. And you were right about so, Jaeger, by the way. I was thinking about somebody else who went to Sacramento. Oh yeah, that was one of the uh, front office guys. Went to yeah. Sacramento. But yeah, Jaeger, Jaeger, he's a bright mind, man. He he's the X factor on this on this coaching staff. He really is. Um, between between him and Cassell and 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 uh, Doc Rivers, I feel confident and comfortable that. All this accountability nonsense will uh, fall to the wayside, and this team will do what they got to do to succeed. Doc Rivers said a quote uh, about Tobias Harris, and he said that, uh, you know, he's talked to Tobias a lot since he's been hired. And the one thing that he noticed from Tobias Harris was that he was dribbling too much. Too much, too much dribbling, and he's got to get. He wants to get Tobias Harris back to not thinking and just shooting downhill. One move, bang to the rim. One move, bang pull up in the pick and roll. He said Tobias. He saw Tobias uh, doing a lot of dribbling and a lot of too much thinking last season. Now that he said that, and I look back at last season, Dad, do you think uh, Doc was right about Toby? I wasn't really looking at Toby dribbling the ball too much, but I, but then again, I wasn't really like analyzing that portion of his game. But I think Doc does have a point because when Tobias is on, he's on, and when he's off, he turns into Tobias the friendly ghost, he just disappears. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So when Doc said that, you know, I kind of thought about it a little bit, plays a couple games in my head, and he's right. So. Brett didn't utilize Tobias Harris to his strengths. Doc is going to get Tobias Harris to his strengths, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for all these players to have their strengths come out and and sh- and shine. 
We want them to be the best players they can under this NBA season, during this NBA season, I should say. And I think it's going to happen. I don't know if they'll win the East. I don't know if the, you know if they'll push for a championship, but I got to see them play. Like Nat said, we've been fooled before. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take the bait again. I'm going to have patience, and we're going to see. But I'm definitely excited. I'm definitely excited because they have a lot of shooters in camp. And they got a lot of shooters around them. Hey, look, man, this is Big T. Will, that's Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Full Court Press. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. Social distancing is really physical separation of people. It's what we refer to when we ask people to stay at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus still spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You're at higher risk if you are over 65 or if you have any serious underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, wash your hands frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds. Avoid touching your face. Disinfect frequently touched objects. And wash up after being in public spaces. And when it comes to social situations, less is better. Stay six feet or two arm lengths away from other people. Better still, stay home if you can. If you're sick, please stay home and away from others. And if you think you've been exposed to the virus, call your healthcare provider before going to their office. In challenging times, the choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. With coronavirus spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65 or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Hey, Vito's. Hey, oh, one, two, six. Yeah, it will be. And and that's, you know, again, too bad that uh, we're doing it now, obviously, with, with the short time and so we're going to be very careful in what we do so we don't overthink this and I don't want them out on the floor thinking right now we have some time together but I guarantee you we'll run more pick and rolls uh, and I guarantee you'll see more pick and rolls with Ben and Joel in them 
but I like a lot of the stuff they ran in the past too. They, they had some pretty good movement stuff. And so we want to make sure that because of this shortened preseason, shortened training camp uh, and quick first game that we don't try to do too much. We want to make them as comfortable as possible. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Yeah, I got jingle bells in my head, Nat, because uh, rocking around the Christmas tree was the last break. And I was sitting here looking at our cut for jingle bell rocks, and I sung jingle bell rocks twice. <laughs> you know what's crazy? So I was. Not too long ago, I was producing uh, Joe Torty and D-Lineham. And, you know, we have our bump-in music uh, when we are, whenever we come back from uh, from break. The very last break, I hear Bobby Helms playing. I'm like, what the hell? There was no Christmas music beforehand. And so I hear that playing. I was like, well, we didn't talk about Christmas the entire show. So I see that. And then I'm helping Dylan prepare for a Rob Motti show. And every bump-back song in Zeta was Christmas music. I'm like, Dylan, you're not going to believe this, man. Like, do you want a bunch of Christmas music in there? He's like, what? It was preloaded in there. I'm like, yeah, dude. And he's like, well, I'm not touching any of it. If it's already in there, I'm not removing it. I'm like, okay. For Rob Motti's show. Dylan doesn't want to get yelled at. No. So for Rob Motti's show, he had nothing but Christmas music. But you know what's crazy? Last year, uh, we got yelled at for playing Christmas music too early. So and now this season, this season, someone already cut it up and put it and loaded it up, and it was already there before you even noticed. Yeah, we've barely been doing the holiday wheel. I don't think that's even started yet. I don't think it's going to happen this season. To be honest with you, because usually it w- it would have happened by now, the first week of the uh, December at least. With the holiday, the holiday wheel, wheel would have been yeah. No, we're yeah. doing it. We're and doing we, it because we keep promoting it. Okay, all right, they better get it together. Shout out to, you know, shout out to uh, our man Rob Body listening uh, down in uh, Florida, always down in Florida, it seems like. Showing us these epic pictures that, uh, you know, making everyone jealous. And my man Dylan, who's always a faithful listener, you know, always, always shouting out the peeps. D Lino, who, whose basketball mind is crazy. You know, you get a chance, check them all out. But, uh, Nat, Doc Rivers, man, played that other cut right there. Heavy pick and roll, you know, as we touched earlier, Tobias Harris. I think Toby, I think Toby's going to have a good season. He's going to have a season that's going to be more, it's going to be more noticeable. He's not going to disappear into big games because he's not going to be asked to do so much. As Doc says, he did too much, too much thinking, too much dribbling. It was too much asked for him for, and he wasn't ready for it. Now, Green, he got paid like he was ready for it, but, you know, honestly, he wasn't ready for it. He might be ready for it now because he's back into a system he was comfortable in. And that goes about what Doc Rivers said, keeping these guys comfortable. He liked what Brett Brown ran. Brett Brown ran a lot of motion offense, and Doc Rivers runs a motion offense, so you try to blend it to keep Ben and Joe comfortable. You don't want to make too many changes without the length of time you normally would have for a preseason at camp. So I, I I like how Doc Rivers is streamlining it and getting these guys where they need to be 
this stage of the game with under a week left coming up on the uh, first preseason game against the Boston Celtics. Nah. I'm really liking it too. I, I don't, I don't want to look too much into it. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I just want to, I want to do nothing but excite myself for this. This is going to be great. Yeah, I don't want to get overhyped because I was, I was through the roof last season, <laughs> the beginning of last year. Yeah, you were. That was I, when we first started. I was, oh man, I was super hyped. I was super hyped for the Sixers, and uh, we I don't go there. But um, they're not playing on Christmas, so we don't have to worry about it too much. It'll be a stress-free Christmas, plenty of NBA action. Our guys will be playing, I think, the day after Christmas or two days after. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. It's, you know, it sucks. I was at the game last season. I actually wore my uh, – I had my uh, Sixer sweater on, ugly sweater on this week. You know, me and the fam went, traveled up to uh, Longwood Gardens, walked around, you know. Did the, 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 the stuff outside wasn't busy, wasn't crowded. Everyone was masked up, following guidelines. Plenty of space between everyone. It was good. Got cold, but it was good. That's when I know it's Christmas because we do this all the time. We go visit my family out in the uh, Longwood Gardens area. Got family out there, and you know we they took our temperatures and we hand sanitized before we came in. And, you know, it, it was cool. That, so now I feel like I'm in the Christmas spirit because we did something that we normally do, which we didn't get a chance to do last year or the year before. So we kind of went back into it a little bit and, uh, you know, starting to feel the Christmas feel. And, this, and the light snow we got this week, that kind of set the tone as, uh, yeah, now the holidays are here. What do you think, Nat? What, what makes you feel like it's Christmas? To me, when it really starts feeling like Christmas, when I see everybody all decorated up, like you see the lights down, driving by Boathouse yeah. Road, the or quote unquote the New Philadelphia, <laughs> the the blue collar area, yeah. <laughs> but but seriously, yeah, I love seeing people decorate their homes. I love seeing people like have a uh, get their Christmas trees. I love seeing the the lights. All, all the all the pretty stuff. Winter on Broad, I can't wait to check that out. That's going to be exciting. A friend of mine just saw it, and she said it was uh, absolutely beautiful. I can't wait to check that out myself. I'm a sucker for something like that. Yeah, just to, just to, it's different because it's not, we're used to the big gatherings of doing things like that. And, you know, now we have to take precaution and, and follow guidelines, and you just do what you got to do. Did you check out the uh, the show on uh, ABC with all the lights, the the with all the houses, the the light the light shows where no, what's uh, that? They have, I can't think uh, think of the name of it. I'll, I'll text it to you, but it's a show on that comes on every year, and and obviously it was pre recorded because it was people out. It was a lot of people out there, no mask on, so it could have been an old old episode. I don't know. It could be current. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, they do the, the light wars. All the houses get decorated for Christmas, and they go across the country and check out the wildest uh, lighting uh, spectaculars, and then they give them a, a trophy for uh, the the winner. But uh, yeah, that's on. See if you uh, DVR that. I'll uh, once the, the name comes to me, I send it out to you. But yeah, that's what it makes you feel like Christmas. I haven't watched my Christmas movie yet. Twas the night before Christmas with the little mice and Charlie Brown. Gotta watch my man Chuck. 
Once I watch Chuck, then I'm putting my feet, putting my feet, in my little bears, and we calling it a day. See, that's, we, me with that's the when you know Christmas is here. Oh uh, yeah, I saw the Grinch already. Saw the Grinch. Saw Home Alone. Saw Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. People, stop, stop trying to fight it. Um, but is Die Hard a Christmas movie you can only watch on Christmas? No, nah, you can watch it anytime you want. You watch it in July when they usually play. See, that's why that's why I think it's the best Christmas movie because it's a Christmas movie that you can watch any time of the year. Yep, exactly. Same with now. Now, same with um, what's that other one? That uh, uh, right on the tip of my tongue too. You think of planes, uh, trains, and automobiles? Yes, yes, that exactly. Is that one you could watch year round? I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. See, it's not like so, I, see, I love the movie Home Alone. It's one of my favorite movies, but it feels sacrilegious watching it outside of Christmas time. But planes, trains, and automobiles—I think you can watch that anytime. Anytime. So there we go. Uh, Nat, real quick, man, what you sipping on, brother? I have some uh, some spiked Sprite right here. Got a little New Amsterdam vodka. Put it with my Sprite right nice. here. It's really good. Nice, nice. I got a little, I got a little uh, spiked eggnog right now. I got a little crown black uh, with a cinnamon stick and some uh, eggnog right here. So, what's crown royal black like? I've never had that. Uh, it's just it's a it's it's upper tier of their uh, their uh, wine that they have. It's not a flavor. It's um more. It's more. It's it's smooth. It's more alcohol volume. And it's just a it's a taste that you know is refreshing if you're a whiskey drinker or a bourbon drinker. You know the black is very smooth. It's a, it's a smooth item right there. It's up there with like the gentleman jack. It's but it's not as harsh. Gentleman jack can be a little harsh sometimes. The uh, crown black isn't harsh. It's uh, taste is it's it's very tasty. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> so if you want to try it, go out there and get yourself with crown black. And uh, you get yourself some eggnog with a cinnamon stick, and then uh, you can thank me later. But uh, hey, Nat, man, we at the point of the show where you know we call it the Q and A. Everyone has their mailbag; they send us the questions. We sometimes have the answers. If not, we get back to them. I know the mailbag was full this week because we're getting close to the season, Nat. Absolutely, yeah. So we dug up some questions, and we'll see if we get to yours. So. And tune in, be sure to tune into Philly Full Court Press every week. Send us your questions every week. And who knows, maybe we'll answer yours on air. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and now, where can everyone reach us at? All right, so our Twitter handle is at Full Court 76. That is spelled P H U L L C O U R T. And then the number 76. So that's how you send, uh, send us a reply to our mailbag. And you can also send something to at Nat underscore Marlowe or at Big T Will 34. But let's dive into it, Nat. And, and I'm digging the uh, Slay Ride by TLC. That's that's my era right there. <laughs> I, like, I like that right there. What's up? What you got? What's the first one on deck? All right. Our first one comes from my guy, Pierre. Who takes the last shot of the game if the Sixers are down? Who's that guy on the perimeter? You can say, go get me a bucket. It's got to be Curry right now. It's got to be Curry. I mean, it's either going to be Curry or Embiid. If Embiid is is talking to talk and he's going to back it up and he's down on the block and I need a bucket, I'm going to the big man. But I wouldn't mind Curry taking it. What about you? Seth Curry, yeah. 
Uh, then maybe Joel Embiid. Then maybe Danny Green. Uh, I don't know. I have to see. I have to wait and see how Tyrese Maxey plays first. Because who knows? Maybe he could be uh, like Batiste Seibel, you know, kind of like uh, a little hidden gem. You know what I mean? I need to see how mean, he plays. You want you want to rely on a rookie to hit a last shot, the go-to bucket? I mean, look, I wasn't expecting a lot from Matisse Thybul, but he I think he blew everyone out of the water in his rookie year. I agree, but I wasn't I wasn't planning on Matisse Thybul taking my last shot. That's different. Th- that different set of skills right there. Okay. All right. No no answers are wrong. No answers are wrong answer. Um but yeah, I'm going to rock with him beating Curry. And uh, go from there, Pierre. That's a good question. And, and guess what? That might change throughout the season. It's going to be whoever's hot, who's feeling it, who who uh, who's the go-to at that point of the season. Burkham, you know, that could change. It could be court. It could be. You, you never know. You never know. It could be uh, uh, broken off. You never know. It, it, it might be Toby. Toby might be the Toby of old when he was shooting over 46% from beyond the arc that one year for the Clippers before the Sixers traded for him. Who knows? But, you know, off the bat, just for that question, I'm going to rock with it with the crown jewel and, and, and Curry. So, what else you got, Nat? Well, you said Brokoff, so I have a question for you. When are we going to see Brokoff play? We're going to see him in less than a week. He's going to play in, in, in uh, preseason. Are we sure he didn't pre-season. play in the bubble? Well, he didn't play in the bubble because of the situation. There wasn't. I don't have no problem with him saying that he was going to stay home with his uh, pregnant wife and COVID. I have no issue with that. But he, not, okay, not all right. His, his wife was pregnant then, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, with a newborn baby, like, just like, just like Joel. I mean, and Joel, COVID. I understand. He's a superstar. Or... Uh, c- close to being a superstar, but broke off like we're when COVID's worse than ever. Like we're expecting him to play now when there's no bubble. Yeah, because his wife isn't pregnant right now, and she doesn't have COVID. Okay. So yes, we expect him to play. I, I think. I mean, I think he, that that's a non-issue. Me personally, that's a non-issue. That that's just like uh, some of the football players this season saying no. Marquise Goodwin for the uh, Eagles. He didn't play because of COVID. No one had an issue with that. I don't have an issue with the guy not playing because his wife was pregnant and and, and Coke potentially was uh, infected or he potentially could infect her. And he would have had to leave the bubble anyway for her pregnancy and then have to wait to come back. Yeah. So it was too much going on. You either It was better for him not to play than to play. I got a non-issue when anyone makes the family first, man. I don't understand. I, some people have a problem with it, and and really, I don't think I just don't think you you understand the situation uh, at hand, and I understand his situation. So, family's always going to be first to me. I don't give a damn what you say, or what you think, or what you call call me. Family first, period. So, next question. What else you got, brother? All right, next one comes from Joe. Over under twenty five total alley oops and bead will have based on the fact that Doc. Won't let him pussyfoot soft. Illegal hip check screens, and he'll actually go to the rim with purpose and not drag his feet. Uh, I think that's a good over-under. I think uh, he might stay under. He's going to stay under the alley-oops. He's going to stay under 25. I'd like to see him at least get like 15 to 20 this season. And then we'll show that he he, he worked on his uh, craft a little bit. But yeah, Embiid had a lot of potentials for alley-oops uh, that were never taken. And he's going to have a lot more now. 
that's going to be one of Ben Simmons' options if he's in the heavy pick and roll with uh, Joel Embiid. So Joel Embiid will have plenty of opportunities to take the alley-oop. It's if Ben, one, throws it up to him, two, if Embiid calls for it, and three, if they actually con- they convert. So, but that's a good that's a good over under right there. I still take the under though. What else you got, Nat? Player to benefit most from the new coaches not named Ben or Joe. I'm gonna shock you. It's gonna be Matisse Thybulle, Matisse Thybulle, Shake Milton. But Tobias Harris, I don't think he will benefit from it because he's already been in the system with Doc. The only benefit he'll get is probably getting back to the old Tobias that we saw with LA. Shake Milton is is a good one because Doc is expecting he's giving Shake freedom and he said he, he's expecting good things from Shake but he also told Shake he's going to hold Shake accountable for the things that he Doc has asked for him to do but really all in all with that question it's going to be Matisse Thibel, man. Matisse is definitely going to be the guy who's going to benefit more under uh, Doc that's not Ben and Joe. But, you know, I'm going to spin that to you, Nat. What do you think? Who do you think is going to benefit? Oh, I got to go. Okay, benefit the most. No, I can't say Tobias. Hmm, Maybe not Matisse because Matisse is very defensive-oriented and Doc's game is definitely more so tailored to the offense. So, ooh, maybe. Yeah. I got to (laughs) go either Shake or Tyrese. One of those two guys are going to benefit the most. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I, you're high on Maxi. I got to see him. I got to see him out there. I think he, he, I think he's a baller, and I think he's a player. But you know, we'll see. We, you know, rookies all hit the rookie wall. Matisse hit the rookie wall last season as well. You know, we'll, we'll check. We'll check out Maxi. We'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. What else you got, Nat? Formerly Eagle V checks in and asks, Does Matisse supplement Danny Green as a starter at some point during the season? Or do you see a situation where Danny Green starts, but Matisse plays starter minutes? I see a situation where Danny Green starts and Matisse gets starter minutes. So he may not start, but he could potentially end the game because of his defensibility. And um, I definitely can see Matisse growing under Doc. Man, Matisse is going. Matisse, this is Matisse's year. He's going to. He's going to show something. I. I really do. I really do believe it. So, but that's a good question. Hey, Nat, what else you got, brother? From Strauss, why haven't the Sixers addressed their need for a second ball handler on the roster? Man, I don't know. And, and that's a good question. And Doc Rivers said he's high on Shake. Shake, Shake could be that extra ball handler. Uh, Curry can handle the rock. I, but, yeah, man, dude. Going to a, another year without that dominant ball handler like Ben Simmons is, um, yeah. It's, it's it's a roll of the dice again. It's a roll of the dice again, and I don't I don't know. I just don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why why can't they find another solid ball handler? Just maybe Maxi. Maybe Maxi's the guy. Maybe like you said, you're high on him, Matt. So maybe he turns into that guy, right? Yeah. Or Isaiah Joe, one of those guys. Yeah. Somebody, maybe somebody in the, in the draft they. That they that they talk, you know. Isaiah Joe is a guard, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But good question, man. I, I don't know why the Sixers have never never addressed that since Ben Simmons been here. But um, Dakota Mathis, I forgot he's on the team. He was a guard in Purdue, so you know. But uh, yeah, that's a solid one. What else you got, Matt? 
from Richard. Why doesn't Ben at least experiment with shooting with his dominant slash his right hand? Well, why why change something if he doesn't do it? You know, especially this late in the game. If that was the situation, you know, under the old regime, they should have caught it and and adjusted to that. Now it, it's too late. So if he shoots with his left, then let him shoot with his left. If, if that's his dominant hand, that's his dominant hand. He plays with both both left and right. So to have a guy that can, you know, get off the bounce on the left side and get off the bounce on the right side is actually real valuable nowadays. And he's not like, uh, you know, a one-sided player where you could just play half the, half the lane and force him to go the one way he can't go because you know he's going to come back to his strong hand and potentially get an offensive foul. So at this point in the game, at that even that shouldn't even be a, you know a, a major issue. So what else you got, Nat? Urban Radio Nation's wondering: Will the Sixers ever go small ball this year? Potentially, depending on foul trouble. Depending on foul trouble, they could uh, definitely go small ball. You know, they, if, if Ben's in foul trouble, if Embiid's in foul trouble, Dwight Howard could be a scratch. Who, who knows? Who knows? You can see uh, Terrence Ferguson out there with Shake uh, Milton and throw him out. You know, Matisse Thibel and Danny Green and Seth Curry. There, that's a small lineup right there. You know, that's that's an all-guard lineup. And then who would be your center on that? Would It, it would be probably uh, Toby. So it all—it's all about matchups, and uh, or Justin Justin Anderson—he could be out there. Um, it's all about matchup, and we're not going to have to worry about other teams that we're trying to match up to them if they go small ball. Doc Rivers is going to uh, implement and empower our team on the other team. He's going to make the other team match up to us. We're not—we're not going to see what we saw in the past. We're going to see something different. We're going—we're going to see. What we should what we should have saw last season. Teams are going to have to match up to us, guarantee. Doc Rivers is not going to play down to the other team. What else you got, Matt? All right, last one before we close out the show from Sunitha. Is there any realistic chance that Daryl Morey pulls off a James Harden trade while keeping both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? And I'll say it again, and I'll always address it. Yes, there is an opportunity. There is a chance that Morey could pull that off. But he's going to do it when the time's right. Right now, Houston holds all the cards. The longer this plays out, the less of the cards they hold. But I'll tell you this much. With Harden mentioning that he wants to go to Milwaukee, Milwaukee giving up like almost three first-rounders for Drew Holiday. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not going to Milwaukee. If you notice, this is all basically agent-driven. He's all This agent's just trying to drive up the best deal possible for his play. And he named, and if you also notice, he named all the top players, all the top teams in the East. He's not mentioned not one team in the West. So clearly, James Harden does not want to be in the West anymore. He's mentioned Milwaukee. He's mentioned Miami, which is a terrible fit. He's mentioned uh, Brooklyn, and he's mentioned Philadelphia. They're top four teams uh, that they're potentially going into the uh, season in the East. It's all, it's all, it's all calculation. People, they're calculated moves. So, but yeah, I actually do think Maury could potentially pull it off if the time's right, if the package is right. James Harden could be a sixer with uh, Ben and Joe. And then we're really going to have some fun then because I'd like to see uh, 
uh, Harden run with uh, Ben and Joe. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, but my thing is, if you give up a lot of the key pieces that aren't Ben and Joel to bring in James Harden, are the three of them even going to play well together? That's my biggest concern. Uh, because I think um, I, I'm just skeptical on how much of an offensive powerhouse they can truly be. That's just my biggest concern. But you, if they were to actually pull that off, I would still be bouncing up and down the walls with pure excitement and joy if they were to somehow pull that off. Yeah, how could you not? How could you not? But hey, Nat, we're gonna shut down Q and A. That was awesome. Enjoyed the questions, everyone. Keep them coming each week. We're going to go into our final thoughts of uh, this week. Uh, we got one more week till uh, Christmas. We got less than a week till the Sixers uh, finally get back on the court and save us from the lousy Eagles. Nat, final thought, man. Final thoughts, everyone. Please stay safe this holiday season. In Philadelphia, we're averaging <laughs> at least a thousand, some if not at least somewhere around a thousand cases of you know what a day. So please, everyone, stay safe. Stay healthy, protect your loved ones, protect the older people around you. Like, we still got to do our part. Pennsylvania's going through another shutdown right now. So, please, everyone, for the love of God, protect yourselves. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Nat Marlowe with his final thought. And if you don't know Nat, you, you probably should have saw that coming. My final thought of this week is get your shopping in, get your packages wrapped up, because that last week, of uh, potentially getting your presence on time is crucial, especially with uh, delivery services being real shaky right now because they're overworked and undermanned. So get those packages wrapped up, man. Santa's coming soon. But hey, man, that was Nat Marlowe, the producer extraordinaire. I'm your host, Big T. Will. This is Philly Full Court Press, and we'll be back with you guys with another new episode next week. Enjoy. Ho, ho, ho. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better